0: This is Mike Phelan with Fanbolt, and today we have with us Miss Allison Pregler, who is also known as Obscurus Lupa, and she is a content creator on YouTube, and she covers some of the more interesting pieces of nostalgia, such as cheesy, mm, I wouldn't say Z-grade, because I don't want to say something bad about David Hasselhoff. He's not exactly Z, he's kind of um, C-minus, maybe, would that be fair? (laughs) He's a grade Uh, all his own. Yeah. He is, he is H grade, we'll say that. Um, Allison, Allison produces quite a lot of content that uh, that tugs at the heartstrings of those of us that have fond memories of the 80s and 90s. Uh, Miss Allison, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, how are you?
0: I'm doing well, thank you. Tell me, how did you get into producing content based on what you based content on? <laughs> uh well uh when
1: i was starting doing the videos uh, i knew i wanted to do something uh to entertain people or, or perform and uh people were doing video reviews like this so i wanted to see if i could do it and the only movie i had on my computer at the time was undefeatable with cynthia rothrock um it had been on youtube as this viral video the fight scene where you know the guys are ripping off their shirts and licking the blood off the knife and all this overacting um so i just started from there and it it eventually fell into this niche of so bad it's good movies or cult classics or things like that and and i was sort of discovering a lot of these along the way
0: did you have any in particular that you really wanted to cover when you started doing this
1: uh, The Room, which I eventually did as uh, as my 15th episode. So, uh, and I, you know, it's nice to cover these really big ones going in, because that's how you get attention. But also my quality back then, not the best. So, you know, people are like, what's, what's Allison's review of The Room? Well, it, it is what it is from, you know, early 2010. So,
0: <laughs> you, you definitely have a very unique look on your videos now. Uh, I watched... I think I think I've shown you the picture where my daughter is sleeping on me and I'm watching like your whole series all the way through cuz she's just passed out and I can't move so I think I watched <laughs> them from start to stop for like a, a half a day while she was asleep on me. Oh it. wow. Your the set you have now it's 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 very unique looking. You the way you present everything is is unlike a lot of other things that you see on YouTube. How did you start putting that together is this is this is what I want to look like did you have an idea in mind or is it just all kind of come together over the years
1: well uh, I'd been doing the videos for five or six years at that point under Obscurus Lupa Presents and I just felt like I was sort of in a rut doing it the same format, you know, just um, sort of a a summary riff and I was tired of it looking just like me against a blank wall and I really wanted to just overhaul it and and create something that uh, I wouldn't be so burnt out on and, and kind of reinvent things. And I always loved that aesthetic of the late 80s, early 90s with, you know, the neon colors and the pastels and geometric shapes and So when I did this, I revamped it just as Movie Nights uh, because I really like Baywatch Nights. And I thought, you know, this this is the revamp movie Nights, the spinoff. And uh, so when I contacted uh, Michael Skicciano, Skitch, about doing the the intro theme for me, uh, the two examples that I gave him for themes I really liked was the second season of Baywatch Nights, which is very saxophone heavy, and the show called Love and Curses. Also known as She Wolf of London, which also has a very saxophone heavy theme song and is one of my favorite shows. So I just wanted to get that aesthetic, you know, of of that period of time, um when you'd see like USA up all night and things like that. And uh and so I um I wanted to give a little bit more color to it. So I got these uh gel things to put over the lights in the background, you know, kinda had this blue purple look to it, and uh and uh basically just went from there I wanted something of interest other than just a blank white wall and that was uh, early 2015 when I did that
0: as far as producing uh, a single episode what is your process from start to finish
1: if I'm doing a movie nights uh, I'll rewatch the movie and take notes on it do sort of a loose script if I'm doing it with another host we don't have any script at all. We just watch it and we talk about what we felt and then I edit it together into something coherent. Uh, but when I'm by myself, I don't really have anyone to work off of, so it's it's more of a loose script. Um, and that usually takes me a, a day or two to kind of put that together and rearrange it into something that has a, a little bit um, more of a flow
0: to it. Um,
1: I don't know, it takes me about a, a week or five days to to edit something like that together
0: the person we're seeing on screen how much of that is you and how much of that is a character it's it's just me
1: it's <laughs> i mean i think in the old days it was kind of a character you know just kind of going like well you know everything's great um but really i mean when i'm talking about these i i don't want to just rag on something like be negative about it all the time um you know i I do want to talk about the flaws of certain things, but um, it, really, I do enjoy things that are so bad, it's good. And so when I'm talking about how much I enjoy it, I'm, I'm not putting on a character. I really do enjoy these movies.
0: <laughs> I think your uh, Psycho 2 review is the only positive review I've actually ever seen of that film.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I've seen... The, it kind of has a cult following, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like it because of the first one, which is perfectly fine. I see why people don't, but uh, I, I just think, like... It succeeds despite itself. It really shouldn't have been as good as it was, but I I love that they went for it and and it was successful to me.
0: Yeah, I don't think you could get a bad performance out of Anthony Perkins, even even if the the script was lacking. He still just gave it his all. But at, He you know, made you
1: feel for Norman Bates, yeah,
0: which is the you, honest <laughs> thing. It's the strangest <laughs> feeling. Yeah, yeah. You actually want to see him kill people. He was like Okay, really? they're screwing um, with him. Why not?
1: They're being so mean to that poor serial killer. What they had a common
0: <laughs> Whacking a whacking a poor woman over the head. Oh yeah. That, that was definitely like mm, that. That's Tom Holland's writing right there. <laughs> oh, the shovel scene.
1: I love that sound the shovel makes. It's a bong kind of cartoon sound. It's like so they good. just went
0: through a went through a library of sounds. Like what sounds the most horrible for <laughs> to go along yeah. with this poor woman just get being murdered. uh what are some films that you have on the slate that you're really looking forward to um making a video about
1: well the next one i want to do is something called prince of the sun which is a sort of knockoff of the golden child starring (laughs) cynthia rothrock and it's a hong kong movie i believe um it's hilarious it was uh it, it was a comedy But it's a comedy bizarrely based around just physical abuse, like everyone is like slapping each other around, throwing women out windows, children are getting hurt, but it's played for comedy, so it's very bizarre, and somehow still works, and um, I love the villain in it, he's this uh, man who becomes a bat, and so it's this guy kind of flapping his arms around, turning into a a batman, and uh, so that's the one that I'm going to be covering next. Um... I don't know. I don't usually plan too far ahead of time what I'm going to be talking about on movie nights. Uh, I'm going to be starting a new series on a TV show soon uh, on Quantum Leap because I I talk about it enough. So I'm going to be starting a a series about that, just analyzing the episodes. Uh, But as far as movie nights, it's sort of just uh, as I go along.
0: You definitely have a, a real fandom for Quantum Leap. Where did that stem from?
1: uh, uh, my boyfriend Phelan really likes the show and
0: so not not me, a different Phelan,
1: a different Phelan, the first name Phelan. (laughs) Um, he, uh, he really likes time travel stories and he, he watched Quantum Leap as a kid and I'd never seen it. So, uh, I don't know, three or four years ago we watched it together and I just fell in love with it and became obsessed and had to find out everything about it. And it's, it's led me down this rabbit hole where, uh, Eventually, I found negatives for the lost ending of the show that nobody knew about, and uh, that video did really well for me. It got a uh, hundred forty four thousand views, so it's really cool.
0: That when I watched that video, I was actually going to show that to my dad because I can remember when I was a kid and we would watch that together, and just to see if he what he thinks of it. And it's it's kind of weird. The like, it makes me feel so old. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember when I was a little kid on a couch next to my dad in his recliner with his, with his Budweiser in one hand watching these sci-fi things like Next Generation, Quantum Leap, Next Generation and NASCAR. That was the quality time. <laughs> 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 and so I'll, I'll be interested to see what he says about that. Um, as far as the quality of these shows compared to what we see now, what would you like to see a resurgence of from those days of television?
1: What would I see? Like to see a resurgence of?
0: Yeah, as far as like the theming or the camera, the storylines, or just the general, the the general silliness of some of it.
1: I mean, I think TV is very different than it used to be. Um, there's a very different format. A lot of things from around that time, the eighties and nineties, were very uh, episodic. And personally, I I like things that are a mix of both you got uh, the plot of the week but you have an overarching storyline and a lot of the ones nowadays are more like a a mini series or a long movie and they're very cinematic looking um i guess people's mileages may vary on on what they prefer I, i like the older style but there are current things that i like um i think one thing i miss from older television is sort of sincerity, no matter how goofy it is. So sometimes you get things that are really just maybe kind of um, overly sweet or overly simplistic about things, but they're just very heartfelt about it. So you believe it, and it can get really goofy. Sometimes it doesn't exactly work, but uh, I find some charm in that. So I don't know, maybe I'd like to see a little more of that. Some things are a little um darker nowadays or grittier.
0: Everything has a dark bent, and you don't see as much high concept as you used to. But mm-hmm. I guess that's just studios not willing to take the risk. But- well, you know,
1: I, I find that they, they're able to explore uh, a lot of stuff they couldn't back then. You know, things like Stranger Things uh, wouldn't find an audience, I don't think, back then. The time that it's aping, ironically enough. Uh, I feel like with the rise of Netflix and, and other internet-based uh, networks and uh, Kickstarters and um, online funding, people are able to do projects that would have been hindered by network television back then.
0: When I was on the set of Stranger Things two years ago and I was talking to the Duffer Brothers about that, Netflix gives so much freedom to their creators that, like you were saying, something like Stranger Things probably could not be shopped anywhere else without tremendous studio meddling. Well, they were rejected by several studios, weren't Mm -hmm. they? Yeah. Yeah. Then they just they just had like a little proof of concept they brought to Netflix. they were like, "Okay, go ahead. Here's your budget. We only want to see this, this and this in it. And that's it. Go go have a good time. And you could tell that's the way it affected the cast and crew, because it was the most enthusiastic set visit I had ever been on. Everyone from the child actors to the director to even the PR person were just ecstatic with what they were producing. And at that time, I was like, this is going to be something special. But I didn't expect it to be this special. (laughs) That's great. And that's really cool that you got to visit them. And seeing little Millie Bobby Brown in that that first time, I was like, oh, she's such a cute kid. She reminds me of my daughter. And then seeing what she's turning (laughs) into, I'm like, oh, my God.
1: (laughs) She's so good. They have such great actors. And and the kids in there are really going to go places. And and they already have, you know.
0: They're doing really well. It's nice to see that... Hollywood has changed just enough for child actors where you're not in constant fear of what's going to happen. It seems there there's a little bit more of a protective bubble bubble around them now. And I feel
1: like people are, are way more conscious of how child actors are treated nowadays. I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's getting a lot better than it used to be.
0: It's harder to get away with anything with social media the way it is, thankfully. I mean, yeah. we, we see what's happening at Nickelodeon now and what's happened with Weinstein and what's happened with a place I, I used to work at, just seeing them all just suddenly come under the microscope for a good thing. And it's going to unfortunately segue into the next part I wanted to talk about was being a woman on the internet and producing content and putting yourself out there. What are some of the pitfalls that other content creators should look out for when being woman on the internet? <laughs>
1: If you're a a woman on the internet, my advice is be careful of the information that you put out there. Um, I think no matter what, you're going to come across harassment and people saying things that are inappropriate, and it is more so with women than men. And if you're going to get into the type of thing that I do where you're putting yourself on camera and you're talking about this stuff and you are the product, you're gonna get these kinds of comments. You have to either filter yourself from it or ha- develop a bit of a thick skin about it. Um, but the best thing that you can do is just protect yourself. You know, make sure that your information is not out there and you're not telling people how to find you because there are malicious people out there. Um, for the most part, it is not as as dire as it sounds because there's a lot of positive aspects to it too. and um, there are a lot of people who appreciate the female perspective as well. So it's sort of a, a double edged sword, I guess.
0: Which I saw that your uh, their, your quantum leap story about the alternate ending was covered by Beth um Elderkin, who I worked alongside at a Netflix shoot last year too. <laughs> so oh cool. It's She's like this great. weird little connecting there, thing going on. Hey, sweetie. Doing an yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's doing an interview, sweetie <laughs> Aww. come on. Oh, you can say hi. Say hi to allison Hi. Hi. Oh. I'll be a few minutes, soupy. Okay. <laughs> so cute. Thanks. <laughs> um, I'll have to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> um. Be- Beth
1: is great. She used to work on a, a website that I was part of that I'm I'm sure people know about. So I uh, I already knew her, mm-hmm. and I contacted her about that about the article, and I was like, if you guys are interested, like here's what I found, and. Uh, so she uh she posted it for me and it was great
0: where do you see your channel evolving to in the coming years do you want to branch out and do other things like like directing or producing other other things maybe features or anything like that do you have anything like that on the horizon
1: i don't consider myself a filmmaker
0: i don't uh i'm not really interested
1: in directing anything i like acting um so there are some things that I've been involved in like friends movies like Jesus Bro or Disco with uh, Brad Jones. So um I I would love to do more of that um as far as branching off uh, my own show I I just want to keep going with what I'm doing and and uh, hopefully keep improving.
0: As far as acting goes have you as doing things with with Doug but how about in a, in a more professional light or a more, um, uh, like a union shop. Have you thought about doing any acting within that sphere?
1: Uh, well, I haven't been with a union. Uh, Jesus bro was I think the most professional shoot that I've been a part of. Um, you know, they, they brought in their crew from LA. Um, Ryan Mitchell was a Brad's friend or is Brad's friend. And, uh, he directed it and brought people that he knew and he works in that industry. Um, so, I mean, I, I've been a part of that. I don't know about going to L.A. and being part of uh, SAG and uh, and that kind of thing. I think just because I don't do great under pressure. I don't know if, if that's the kind of environment I would thrive in. I like acting in, in independent productions. And I think one of the things I've been toying with is uh, in TV writing, um, which is something that maybe I, w- I would want to branch into, but... Uh, as far as like, I don't know, going to LA, joining a union, doing something like that. I don't know if I see that in my future.
0: Oh, you don't want to go through all that hassle. It's so much fun.
1: <laughs> it's it's scary. It's scary, and I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know about performance-wise if I'm quite at that level. Anyway, if I'm being honest about my own work. <laughs>
0: well, what kind of um, what kind of reception has has your performance gotten in what you have been in? Have you gotten, um. Uh, criticism or or critique that's that's positive in a light like where you where you can grow from or has it just kind of been like anybody going to say anything about anything
1: <laughs> I think it's been positive for the most part I think it was probably critiqued a little bit in the the anniversary movies with that guy with the glasses but um those I think kind of fall in a different realm because a lot of it falls into skit based and um I I don't know um I think it's been pretty good. I used to be part of uh, theater. I used to do theater projects and I would usually get a, a pretty good critique of my performance. So I, I don't know. I think I'm all right. I don't think it's too bad. But uh, but I mean, there are some actors that just blow me away. Like all those kids on Stranger Things, like they're like pff, miles above what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> and you you wouldn't even think of when you, when you meet them and you're just like, these are just regular kids. And then when the show came, I was like, who, who are these kids? Yeah, it's so good. That's not, I, that's not who I was in the basement set playing playing D&D with.
1: <laughs> that's, you know, it, it's astonishing to me that too, because when I was a kid, like, I was an annoying little creep, you know, like I, I, like, I don't know how anyone could stand me. And then, like, to see, like, kids acting like kids and then just shifting into those characters, it's like night and day, and I, I wouldn't be able to do that when I was their age. Like, that's crazy talented.
0: In the small amount of acting that I've done, which I wouldn't consider reality television acting, but it is, but I won't go into too much because I think my NDA is still valid okay (laughs) I don't want want A&E to (laughs) sue me but there is a certain amount of acting and then when I go back and I watch myself like wow even when I'm being myself I could still tell I'm trying to act like myself I am not very good at this
1: it's hard (laughs) when you're on camera and you have to to try and be candid about things but also be professional and and try to be off the cuff but still as a host and that I find that with movie nights it's a bit like that too
0: so you just have a little bit of that that twinge where you're like am i am i really being myself or am i being myself on on screen
1: yeah like trying to be natural about it but still f- tell them information and take them on a journey through it you know you can't just be like hey guys so saw this movie and like i don't know it was really weird you know you got to like <laughs> try and present it in some way so it's you got to find a balance there
0: how do you get into that headspace to do that, especially since you kind of have a longer format that you have to maintain that um, that theme in?
1: Uh, I just have an outline to follow. You know, I have that loose script, and generally I I know what I'm going to do because I have that, so I just try to follow it and make sure that I'm coherent and try to keep the energy up a little bit. I realize I'm kind of low energy in real life, so i got to kind of pick it up a little bit, but
0: yeah. Do you do multiple takes of some of your scripted stuff, or do you, do you usually just nail it like that? Oh, for sure it's multiple takes. <laughs> it's,
1: anytime you hear me off the cuff, it's, it's a little bit um, kind of mush mouth sometimes. You know? So when I'm, when I'm doing it by myself and there's a script, uh, yeah, I definitely do a different take in, to make sure that it is the best version of what I'm going to say.
0: Uh, for those that are looking to get into content creation on YouTube, what would be your advice for those people? Uh,
1: if you're going to be starting videos, uh, you're probably going to be pretty bad when you start. Because everyone's pretty bad. Like, it's it's nothing against who, what, who the person is, just all of us started out that way. But if it is something that you are passionate about, you just keep going, and you see if, if you can do it, and you find your voice, and all of that just comes with continuing to do it and, and finding experience. And uh, if you want to get noticed, it's really hard. Uh, you got to keep active on social media. Um, I recommend joining communities of like-minded content. Uh, You know, how I was discovered was from a community that all did movie reviews. But before I was on That Guy With The Glasses, I was part of the community on the forums. And a lot of people just appreciate seeing your name and seeing you part of things. You know, they're like, oh, they commented on my video. Like, I should see what they're doing. And so... If you build up that kind of community, you can get yourself noticed and I guess that's a good way to to make yourself stand out in the sea of people on YouTube or other video platforms.
0: As far as uh, making what you do a full-time thing, obviously there has to be a revenue source. Can you tell us something or can you tell us some about the revenue source that you rely on?
1: Uh, if you're trying to do this full-time and you're just depending on YouTube. Um, don't try to do it. (laughs) Like, just using YouTube, you have to have a lot of subscribers, and you have to work other jobs along with this before. Like, you can't just quit and say, I'm going to be full-time YouTube. Like, uh, I don't remember how long I was doing this before I started full-time. So uh, one of the great things that's helped keep me afloat, and not even afloat anymore, it's it's pretty good money, uh, is Patreon. And Patreon is like an ongoing Kickstarter. It's basically you provide the product, and in uh, in exchange for their patronage, whoever wants to donate to you, they get rewards. So uh, I do early access with the videos. So for a week beforehand, they're the only ones that can see them. Uh, I do viewers choice, where I've got a, a selection of movies, and then they vote on which ones I want to review or I'm going to review. Um, And other things like that so that helped me make a lot more money than just depending on ad revenue so now there's two sources of revenue i make money off of youtube and patreon and it's good to have more than one because if one of them goes under let's say patreon just suddenly went away i still have another source of revenue or let's say that youtube decided to demonetize videos you know that's been an issue that's going on i still have patreon so I'm not just depending on one company to support me.
0: Let's say if both were to go under, God God forbid, would something like Vimeo where people have to rent an episode or buy an episode, would that be a viable option for people or is, does that do you think viewers of content like what you and I create would just it's not something that you would pay as you go. You'd either be paying the person or not paying at all.
1: I, I don't know if that's a, a viable full-time thing, like, unless it was someone really huge, or if you had, uh, perhaps you were producing a series, like, a you know, a, a, a narrative series, not a review series, you know, um, I don't know about that. I think most people don't, I think most people like to support it just by watching the content, and there's a lot of people that like supporting me on Patreon, but this is, you know, $2 a video, or uh, $4 a month, or whatever they like to support me with, but I don't think they would want to pay, let's say, you know, 2 $3 uh, an episode off of Vimeo, and then go through that each time, and uh, it just seems like you would have to be really dedicated to the, the person to make that a, a constant thing.
0: Fair enough. Just for journalistic integrity, I am a Patreon supporter of yours. So oh, thank knows, you. So everyone I still have some journalistic ethics, even though I'm an entertainment journalist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank so, you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate anyone that, that supports me on there. You know, if anyone's listening, thank you so much because it, it helps me do what I'm doing.
0: And for people that want to, to want to find you on, online, not in person, <laughs> where, <laughs> where can they go on social media to find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on youtube.com slash movie nights the series. Uh, on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash movie nights. Uh, on Twitter, it's at obscurus underscore lupa, where you can look up my name, Allison Pregler. It'll come up there. Uh, I think there's a Facebook page and stuff like that, but that's the big ones.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much, Allison. I appreciate this uh, kind of at the last moment interview. <laughs> Thing I really appreciate it. Uh, if you have any final wisdom, we'd we'd like to hear it. If if not, whatever, man.
1: <laughs> I guess uh, I guess I'll leave people with uh, find your own voice. Don't just try to be someone else. You know, if you're starting out doing this stuff, and uh, I just want to thank people again if they support me in any way.
0: All right, thank you very much, Allison. Um, I guess we'll be seeing more of you next week, right? Your next video is coming out next week?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah, I have an interview coming out that I did with with Elvis Restaino. If anyone's been following my stuff on Sinbad Battle of the Dark Knights, uh, I did an interview with the co-director who did the Bulgarian Bulgarian portions of it. So that's the next video that will be coming out.
0: Okay, perfect. All right, thank you again, and uh, we'll be seeing more of you soon.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you.